Thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. We are meeting with educational leaders from around the great state of Texas. Hear their stories and gain insights into educational leadership. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining another episode of the Educational Leadership Podcast. We have a Another very special guest. Before we introduce our guest, we want to give a shout out to our co-host, Corinne French. Good morning. So glad to be here today. Yes, very, very exciting. And we also want to give a shout out to our sponsor, IDO Impact. IDO Impact's giving hundreds of millions of dollars away to public education around the U.S. now, right? So uh, started in Texas, but have n- now giving lots of funding away in the form of a free gift, zero out of pocket to school districts. Uh, around the U.S. now. So if your district needs funding for higher teacher salaries or whatever your district may need, reach out to Ideal Impact. And now we want to introduce our guest, Dr. Mahler from prior schools. Dr. Mahler, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for inviting me to join you today. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so we're spreading the good word around public education. And before we jump into that, just want to ask you a little bit about your background. Sure. So uh, I was a uh, lifelong, I guess, education candidate. Uh, My uh, family has a a long history of educators and my uh, grandmother and my mother were were both educators. And at one time I thought, oh, I'm going to do something different. But I kept getting pulled in uh, through a lot of different experiences, even in doing some some uh, uh, coaching, peer coaching in high school, and then uh, being a camp counselor. And I just realized that no, education was the the place that that I was meant to be. And so I did study education at uh, Texas A&M and graduated from there with a degree in secondary education. And my my areas of focus were history and English. And uh, we always joke that uh, the way that I was able to teach history in Texas without coaching football is that I found a position where they needed someone who could teach a few hours of English and a few hours of U.S. history, and uh, that was the way that I got my my foot in the door. So I began my career in Aleaf ISD, which is a suburban Houston uh, district, and taught there for six years and was also uh, began uh, as an instructional coach there. I was uh, one of the first uh, instructional coaches at Hastings High School when they began that, that program at the secondary level in A-Leaf. So that was a great opportunity to, to work with teachers on, uh, on their instructional practices. My husband uh, grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and eventually we decided that we were going to to move back uh, to to that area. We had young children and decided we wanted to be a little bit closer to, to family. So we moved uh, back to the Tulsa area in 1997 and that was when I joined Jinx Public Schools, which is a suburban Tulsa district. And I started there as a classroom teacher. I taught U.S. history there and then also started an instructional coaching uh, program at the secondary level there in Jinx Public Schools. So had about nine years of teaching and instructional coaching before moving into administration and was able to uh, serve as the academic principal at Jinx High School for a number of years, again, focusing on, on that side of, of instruction 
instructional leadership uh, through the administration piece uh, before moving into central office at, at uh, Jinx and served for, as assistant and associate superintendent at Jinx uh, until 2021 when I moved to Pryor as the superintendent. So my the majority of my career has been focused on the teaching and learning side, and it's been interesting to apply that knowledge to the, the larger scale of district operations here in Pryor. Love it. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I well, I, it's, it's always like, who's gonna get the first question out of the, uh, so Gary and I are like, who's gonna get the first one? Um, I, I love that you mentioned the history of educators in your family. And I, I always wonder like when someone is a teacher and like, do they tell their, their, their children, don't do this. Like I'm in education. So I'm like, do something that has more money, you know, like, but the value and the joy of, of being with students every day and being with being with leaders who lead is also like that's just brings so much joy but i want i want to clarify something just for our audience what is instructional coaching i think we say words a lot i think we all know what a superintendent does mostly mm-hmm. but do you mind giving a quick little like what does that mean because sure. um, I, I yeah i Right. So I've been really fortunate to work in three different districts that all placed value on investing in instructional coaching. So I think this is a great question. And what what happens is, you know, we we know that that teaching is both an art and a science. Mm -hmm. And the role of the instructional coach is to work with teachers to improve really both sides of that piece, right? Mm-hmm. To, to bring in instructional practices that are research-based and to help teachers grow their practice so that they are able to implement uh, those best practices as well as to, to make things their own and to, to help their classrooms function well. So we see instructional coaches who work you know, quite a bit often. We see our our, our novice teachers coming in and needing some additional support in the classroom, especially as we see more and more of our novice teachers coming in without traditional teacher preparation. That role of the instructional coach, someone who's not an administrator, they're not an evaluator, they're there truly to help improve the the practices that are going on in the classroom. And I think that removes some of the concern about sharing if you are having some struggles uh, with with someone because you're not that same person isn't going to turn around and be the evaluator evaluator later on. So oh. that that interim role uh, between the, the classroom teacher and administration is a, a great place and a, a space where a lot of our uh, our expert teachers have the opportunity to share their their knowledge with others mm-hmm. and improve the the district and school as a whole. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you. I, I mean, I think that you just, we just we get this idea of what happens in a school. And I think we forget that that there is such a science behind it and the teachers are learning just like the students. And so I love that we, we clarified that because I think we don't ever want to assume that people understand what's happening uh, with the science behind it. So thanks for that. Yeah, and every, every district, uh, you know, not every district probably has that type of uh, initiative. So um, that, that's that's a great idea for districts that are, that are looking, you know, to, to kind of explore other ways to, you know, improve their staff and, and, and improve the the quality of learning. So that's awesome. Um, Curious. So, uh, you know, we we always ask this question, what, what do you, what are you passionate about in public ed right now? There's a lot going on, just kind of what, what's, it could be something happening in the district or some, you know, something uh, 
you know, personally that you, that you're just really passionate about in public ed, just, you know, go ahead. So right now I, I am truly passionate just about communicating the value of public education to the wider public, because we, we continue to see questions about, you know, what, what's happening in, in public education and whether it is something that we should continue investing in uh, as a, whether that's a, a state or, or the, the nation as a whole. And I always begin, when I talk to community members, I talk, and this is probably my U.S. history teaching background coming through all these years later, about how public education truly is the foundation of our democracy, that it was put in place uh, in order to have well-educated citizens who could participate actively in a democratic uh, government. And that is so foundation, foundational to what we're about as a country. So I, I talk a lot about that uh, when I'm talking to community members. And I see, it's so interesting to me that we continue to see the surveys that show that people who have children in public schools continue to rate their schools well. When they're asked, you know, how, how is your school, how is your child's school doing? They rate them well. But as a broader public, we continue to see some of that confidence in public education declining. And it's important for us as public schools to get out the, the word about all the great things that are happening and how we are serving such a diverse uh, student body. That's something you know I began teaching in 1991. And we I've really seen over that fairly long career now, some of this shift in, in public opinion and uh, some of the erosion in the trust of our public schools. And so so as superintendent, that's one of the things that I want to be sure we are communicating in our district about how things are going, how, how we're doing, what we're doing, and making sure that, that we are continuing to, to, to develop that trust between the district and our community. Yeah, I'm curious. So, go ahead, Gary. No, I was just going to say that, that that makes sense. I know some other districts that we're talking to, they're making a, you know, an effort to, 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 share their stories even more with, with their communities. And obviously you are as well. You're on the podcast today, just, you know, talking about, you know, the amazing things that are happening at your district. And um, so, yeah, just anyways, just want to make a comment on that. Go ahead, Corinne. Yeah. Well, and I think that was my, I was going to go that same direction. Like what, what is it that y'all are doing it prior to, to let the community know? Because I think, well, first I want to say something. You mentioned A-Leaf. And so uh, we had the superintendent of A-Leaf on a few months ago. And the A-Leaf ISD was a, such a good partner to me over the years when I was a trustee. Uh, I came from a really small district. And I leaned on the larger districts and the board members in larger districts to, just to idea share. And the same thing what you said about being evaluated. I could ask other board members questions that you might not want to ask maybe your current board or people in your community because you don't want to show, in some ways you don't want to show weakness or what, what, whatever. And so it really is important to have someone who's a, a coach and someone who's who's guiding you along. And so I want to just give a little shout out to Ailey Biasi and a shout out to Tulsa. My first son was born in Tulsa. So tell me what you're doing. I understand that community. I love Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I love that surrounding area almost as much as I do uh, the North Texas area. So tell me, what is it that you're doing there um, and is there something special that you want to talk about that y'all are doing there? 
Sure. Well, we are a relatively small school district, especially, and I know from, from working in Houston and, and being in A-Leaf that in, in Houston, A-Leaf is a smaller school district, mm -hmm. but the 45,000 or so students is quite a bit larger than the 3,000 we have here in Pryor. So, so you know, we're, we're a small town district and it really is truly, I always have trouble when you have to check that box on what kind of school district is your district in a survey. Mm -hmm. We really don't fit. It's almost always urban, suburban, and rural and Pryor is truly kind of in between, mm -hmm. and I would call us a small town school district. So mm -hmm. there is, we are about 45 minutes away from Tulsa, and it's far enough separated that it's not it's not a suburban district. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's some of our, our community members certainly drive into Tulsa to work, but it, it's not, uh, it doesn't feel like a part of, of the, the Tulsa metropolitan area. It's really a, a small town into itself. And with that, it means that we have a lot lot of people who've lived here generationally and are, are raising their families where, where they were raised. And so there's already a good, strong relationship with the community in the district, which is such a benefit mm -hmm. uh, overall. And there is a, a good a good sense of trust already. We just want to build on that and we want to be sure that we're communicating all of the different opportunities that are available for students in our district and what they can expect when they you know, send their, their new pre-K. We have a universal pre-K in Oklahoma. So many of our students start with us as four-year-olds rather than as kindergartners. And we want everyone to, to, to know what they can expect moving forward from pre-K all the way through 12th grade. And recently we have invested in a full-time position uh, for communications and particularly our, our social media. That was something we, as a district our size, we had not had in the past. We'd had some part-time pieces, but that has been very helpful in increasing our presence on social media, as well as uh, keeping our website really uh, interactive and up-to-date. Our most recent focus has been uh, to, to launch a uh, focus on our core values. That's something that, that we uh, went through a strategic planning process last year and realized that while we had had these core values in place, we hadn't really put them out uh, in any in any broad sense uh, to the community. And so that's one of the things <clears throat> we're working on on a communication piece this year that I think is is valuable and helps drive uh, our message out to the community about what prior public schools is all about. Very cool. Very yeah. so curious about that. So so core values. That seems like it's it's so important um, to kind of know. It kind of guides you in decision making and and all kinds of things. Um, how, what what did that process look like as far as like coming up with core core values? Right. So we have had the core values in place for a number of years. And one of the things when I came in as a new superintendent and was looking at the the kind of the district guiding document that we call the tiger tenants were the the prior tigers. So the tiger tenants had been in place, and I wanted to both do a revamp without completely uh, changing everything that had been in place. So we. Kept our vision, mission, and values from the previous Tiger Tenants document in place and then built on the, the other pillars of the strategic plan. So I was really kind of trying to also reinvigorate that discussion since we didn't do a whole process to, to you know, go through identifying those core values. We, we felt comfortable that, that the existing values 
were, were still our core values and uh, wanted to just get more discussion going around both internally and externally about those. Love it. Love I, it. I love the, I love the conversation about core values. I do that with my students and and I do it with I review mine, my own core values on a regular basis, because I think if we don't, I think it's hard to make decisions. And I think if we I think one thing that we talked about on the podcast before is that coming out of a global pandemic, we have I think we have the opportunity to make a change like whatever might not have been working like this is still a good time. At some point, we won't be able to keep using that that excuse or blame that. But I think right now, it's a, it's a perfect opportunity for us to all look at our core values and 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 especially in light of what you're saying about if if people are not looking at public education as the same value um, holistically, like if we talk about it. But then I will, as a parent, talk about it in a good way. What can we do to keep shining a good light on that? So we never ask questions to put our guests on the spot, but I think I want to ask you one. So you can answer this any way that you'd like, but what are some of your personal core values and how does, how have they helped keep you encouraged to keep doing this work in public education? Because it's been a hard couple of years. Yes. So I would say that my my core personal uh, value really is integrity and that at the end of the day, I always want to be able to know internally that I have made the, the right choices. I've made moral choices. And I think when you when you operate out of that center, then even in difficult times, if you know that you are doing the right thing, that you have, have made choices based on your, your own values and then as a, a leader of the organization on the organization's values, then even if, if things are, are challenging, I think you can, can sleep at night knowing that, that you're operating from the, the right place. Yeah, you know that that makes sense, and especially in public ed, because you have so many stakeholders involved in you know the whether it be the community, the board, the staff, um, you know, students. It's, it's just there's so many different. Yeah, every, every, I mean, I, when I get when we get together for Thanksgiving at, at my house, you know, you we, we got there's there's so many different conflicting opinions there. You know, I can't imagine you know. Um, managing a a district with with all of, all of the those uh differences um so it, it makes sense how you because if not if you don't have those core values that are guiding you you're making decisions based off of you know i guess impulse or mm-hmm. um you know pressures or whatever mm-hmm. and, but the, mm-hmm. those uh those core values can help kind of kind of guide you in that so that's not something we've i don't think we've heard uh that on on a podcast corinne have I think we talked about the mission value, the mission statement of some schools, but I think to, to really talk about core values and to incorporate our own core value into that. I love that you said integrity. Uh, I, I think that that we need to keep talking about that because when, when we hear that that's what your core value is, it still, it builds more trust with me. And I see you as a, I see you as a person and not just this um, authority figure or this, just this, this leader that's out there. Like, when you say integrity, I can say, okay, I, yeah, I, I can get in line with that. I might not always agree with you if I was on your board or whatever. There might be things that we might disagree with at times, but if I know that's your core value, I can say that's how she makes decisions. And 
you can get on board with that. So I think this is the, we, we probably should have a whole, we should bring you back. <laughs> that's, and have that's, a, a, that's a question you can ask all your, your future guests now, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, in, in some instances, uh, people may want to put public education in a box and say, you know, but every district probably has, you know, slightly different core values on, on mm-hmm. what, what matters most to them. And they should. I mean, I think in communities that are urban or rural, I think that's a really good point about the different values in a, in a different community and different school. It's part of the beauty of a public school that we can still have that local control. We can say in this community, integrity is important. In this community, um, grit is important. This community, excellence is whatever word we want to put on it. Uh, it. And then how we carry that out. I think that's the beauty of public ed, in my opinion, is that local control. Yeah. Yeah. You have that focus and then, you know, you can even have metrics attached to it. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. Well, I know we're running short on time. Um, Corinne, do you want to ask the last question or you want me to? Well, okay. I kind of would ask, maybe we can do two last questions and go fast. I, I wonder if you have what, what you do with, with the idea of um, imposter syndrome. Do you ever deal with the fact of like, okay, this is really tough and, and not just um, as a superintendent in general, and, um, and and then what advice do you have for aspiring female superintendents? I'm studying women in leadership. And so I have to get that question out there. What is, what, 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 what one liner or a bit of uh, encouragement do you have for any aspiring superintendent, but specifically female superintendents? Right. So, so I think, you know, if one of the pieces of research that I've seen, and you may have run across it in your, your research as well, is that uh, female superintendents tend to take on the superintendency later in life than male superintendents. And that is, I am a poster child for that research. So, so I was, uh, you know, certainly in leadership roles and, and some pretty, uh, uh, high levels of responsibility at my previous district, but I wasn't the superintendent. And that that honestly was it to, in some degree intentional on my part that I didn't seek out a superintendent role until after my children uh, had had left uh, home. And that that's because this job really is an all-encompassing job. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say to to women who are aspiring to that, it's not, of course, and that doesn't mean you cannot do it when your children are, are younger, but I hope that if there are those who are, are looking and seeing that this isn't the right time for me, that that time will likely still come. You know, there there's still going to be time uh, to, to continue, so to continue building your leadership experiences. You know, my experiences as the associate superintendent in a, in a larger district, where I, I would always say I was over anything that had to do with students except for getting them to school and home. So <laughs> other, than, other than transportation, uh, my role in Jinx encompassed all the, the student uh, teaching and learning and student services. And that absolutely prepared me to step into this role when it was the right time uh, for me to do that. Thank you. I always, I never want to cry. I always cry on this podcast. No, no, no fail. I, this time I brought a tissue so I wouldn't, but thank you for saying that. I think that's really important for all of us, whatever our leadership journey is to know that the timing is important. And if it's um, in, in the superintendent role, I, I superintendents are my favorite people on the planet, my favorite leaders. It's a lifestyle. It truly is. And it sounds like you're doing an amazing job and I really appreciate this time today. And I know our guests are, our listeners are going to love love this episode. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and thank you, Corinne, for, for being an amazing co-host as usual. 
And before we close out, we do want to give a shout out, one last shout out to our sponsor, Ideal Impact, who's giving hundreds of millions of dollars away to public education. So if your district needs funding in the form of a free gift, reach out to Ideal Impact. And for those that have been tuning in, stay tuned for future episodes of the Educational Leadership Podcast.